Hi, my name is Eli. I am your host and thank you for joining me this week. I'd love to hear from my audience, so be sure to hit that subscribe button and leave me a comment. Izao is a 25-year-old technology entrepreneur that has launched three successful and innovative startup businesses over the past seven years. Izao, thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for having me. I wanted to start off with some lightning round questions so my audience can get to know you. What is your favourite city in the world besides Auckland? Besides Auckland? So can I, I'm going to do two. Okay. So my favourite cities are definitely um, Istanbul, which is where my parents moved from when I, to come to New Zealand. And my next favourite city is Seattle, where I lived for a couple of years when I was 18. What is your favourite day of the week and why? My favourite day of the week is Thursday because um, Friday's the next day and even though I don't really get weekends, the thought of having a weekend is really nice. So Thursday's a nice little sweet spot. You came from Turkey to New Zealand in 1997. How do you think that influenced you? Um, I think because I didn't know any English, right? So I was four years old. My parents came from... Istanbul to Nelson and I still remember my my mum when we when we landed we had to take so many flights I think we went from Istanbul to Dubai Dubai Singapore Singapore Auckland Auckland Wellington Wellington Nelson so they were really really tired and when we came here we arrived on the Friday my parents put put me and my little brother who was two years old um into kindergarten um literally on the Monday yeah so within three days of being there we were already in school um, and I think what that taught me was um, quite a few things um, that, you know, being in a new country, I had to develop and sort of um, go into survival mode a little bit. Um, but also because my parents, my parents knew very good English, but because they didn't really know everything um, from a really early age, I was doing a lot of the things that like adults would do. So, you know, at eight years old, I'd be calling up the power company and being like, you know, the bill's too high um, and just like disputing, disputing contracts and disputing um, bills. Um, so I think from that early age, it just made me feel um, I never, I was never uh, intimidated or afraid of someone um, being wrong and me telling them that they were wrong. Um, and I guess in a young age you think it's sort of bossy, but actually it turns into quite a big leadership skill later on. Um, and it wasn't until I um, sort of moved out of home at 17, um, so I went from Nelson to Wellington really quickly, um, that those survival instincts sort of kicked in a lot more. Um, so yeah, everything that I'm, even the reason why I'm here now is because of my of my family and what I had to go through at such an early age. But it's really shaped me into the person that I am today, and I, I wouldn't change that. Did you think you were going to be an entrepreneur growing up? Um, I was actually thinking about this today, which is really odd timing. But when I was little, I'd always go, and when I first moved up to Wellington, I was seventeen, and I'd always look at the people in suits and these, you know, like really buttoned up um, sort of young professionals and older professionals. And I'd always think, like, you know, I'd really love to do that one day. Um, it was it was only apparent to me that I couldn't work for somebody else um, when I went to university because I just couldn't justify the reason of why I was in um, in a lecture hall for, you know, eight hours a day. Um, and I couldn't justify it because the end goal of that or the end, you know, purpose of that was actually um, where I would be working for somebody else. 
And that for me just wasn't, that didn't drive my passion. Um, and it's only because of uh, where I've got to and the businesses that I created so early on that I could get behind it so quickly. Um, so all of this is just really just honing in on a skill that I knew, which was if I'm passionate about something and if I want to get something done, I will do anything to the ends of the earth to get it done. Um, and my my like, my like team um, call it Azal Magic, but it's just this ability to sort of see a problem and go, actually, it's not a bigger, these like bigger problems in life, I'm going to solve this. Yeah. So, you, do you like taking risks? Uh, I take I take risks every single day. Yeah. <laughs> Can you name one about today? One about today. Um, so, one risk that I took today. Well, that's a really good question, actually. Um, the biggest risk that I took today was um, putting a new putting getting a lease on something that. Um, I, w- I wanted for a really long time, so now um, I'm going to be purchasing something very soon, and I'll, I'll put on, on on the media. <laughs> After school, you took a gap year and ended up not having a job for four months. How did you How did you make that jump from that to starting your first business at eighteen? Mm, um, so when I left school, it was um, my NCEA exams finished. So. I think they finished on the Thursday and I packed my bags the next day and my my mum and my um, cousin came outside who was with us from Turkey. She They both came outside and then my dad came outside and they're like, where are you going? And I said, well, I'm packing my bags and I'm moving up to Wellington. They're like, how? What do you mean you're moving up to Wellington? <laughs> um, but it was for me at that age, I just wanted to get out of Nelson only because it was like I thought that I'd already I'd outgrown it. Um, so yeah, that period of my life was actually super, super difficult. Um, for four months I couldn't get a job. Um, I was sleeping on friends' couches. I had no money, like zero, zero money. Um, I was basically like, I had a few, um, I had like a very small group of friends from Nelson that were up. And so I was basically seeing them every single day. And one of my friends worked at a cafe um, and so he would like give me food, <laughs> and so I mean it would just. Now that I look back at it, um, it was just such a crazy time in my life. And um, even though my parents didn't have to because of the way I left, like they would still send me money because without that, then I wouldn't be able to live. Um, so yeah, it was just a very sort of traumatic time in my life. But I think that still, that still made me want to. It, it still wasn't hard enough to where I went. This is too difficult. I'm going to move back. Um, And it was only because I stayed in Wellington where um, I met my co-founder and we decided to start a company. Um, Obviously, some, you know, smaller things happen in the interim, but, you know, that was basically the crux of it. And that's really sort of my life ethos now is you never know that one, you never know when that one person is going to come into your life and just change it. Um, And that's just come back time and time and time again in my life where I meet one person they change everything and they change my entire course and my entire journey so quickly how did you know where to start and when did you decide to build story and so we had an opportunity with story um and story changed very quickly so like we started it with a few people and then they left we got investment and then that was that went down the drain we went to the United States and then we came back. So it was just like this – it was a really weird period where we um, 
where like things were going really good and then really bad all at the same time. Um, but it wasn't until we got our first big contract with America's Cup and it was it was NZT that gave us that opportunity where it actually brought some money back into the business. So I was working for nothing, like really. I think I was making like $12,000 a year. So I was literally, I was surviving off a grand, grand a month. Um, so with, after like paying rent, bills, petrol like and food, you're, you're earning very little. Um, but I was cold calling customers every single day. So we had one one contract, which was the America's Cup, um, and they used the storytelling app to tell the stories of New Zealand, uh, which was actually a really good use case. But then I'd just be calling. I'd call 100 customers a, uh, a day from all over the world, and I'd say, we've got this product. Um, and I'd most, most of the time, because you can't find the person that you want to talk to, you ring the customer service but you get the name of the marketing manager. So um, I would call the customer service and be like, hi, um, Judy just called me and she didn't leave her number with me um, and I can't find her number, so could you please patch me through to Judy? And they're like, of course, yes, no problem. I've never met Judy in my life. So there was all these like really (laughs) weird things. Like the hustle was so real back then and um, it still is now. Like that really changed who I was because at 18 to be cold calling – um, 100 customers a day was pretty terrifying. Yeah. That would be scary. Yeah, super scary. Yeah. You would have to charge your phone heaps. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did everything go to plan when you were building your prototype? Um, No, no. And that, that's the other thing is um, it never goes to plan. Things always take more time. Things cost way more time. It takes way more man hours. Um. <laughs> You build something that you think people want and then they don't want it and that is the case all the time. Um, You want to build something but you don't have enough money to build it. Um, You don't have the right people to build it or you think you've got the right people and they don't turn out to be the right people. So, I mean, it's never ending. And I think even with story, um, it wasn't ever about... um, it wasn't ever about like getting it right from the start. We just wanted to build something and see how it went and and it absolutely took off. But even to this day... um, nothing ever goes to plan and I think as an entrepreneur you kind of have to see the issues and you have to see them quickly but then you have to react to them really quickly and that's the real key behind all of this. Yeah. Who's funding the development? Um, so it was actually a mixture. We had some amazing investors come on board really quickly and even to this day like with my third company Passphere we've got amazing investors um, so they funded a lot of the development but um you know, we we, re- we validated the product really quickly. So we had customers and people using it. They were giving really good feedback. So, yeah, the biggest thing for us was just sales, 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 sales. The product can kind of come afterwards, but unless you've got sales, then it's, it's really difficult to sort of validate it. At one point, you had to let go a lot of staff. Yes. What led you to that? Um, so that's one of the... People always, uh, and you'll hear this a lot as well, Eli, like there's a lot of um, highs and lows within this space. And one of the biggest things is um, risking, do you either risk the company or do you make small sacrifices or really big sacrifices actually along the way for the longevity of that business? Um, And the biggest reason of why we had to let people go was because, um, you know, you have a plan and then something shifts in that plan. But as a startup, you don't have enough capital to go with the original because you don't have millions of dollars to throw at it when something goes wrong. So you're constantly, you're constantly um, 
sort of iterating like you're constantly pivoting like something you think something will be really good it doesn't go good and then you're like we're running out of cash flow we're paying all these people something's changed do I risk the business or do I let people go now and then sort of you know build up this other other part of the business and so it's just a constant like constant battle with what's right and what's wrong the America's Cup contract was an important one for you. How did the contract happen? Oh, yeah. So we were in Seattle. Um, we just started the company. So I think we started the company in July 2011, so nearly nine years ago, um, and then in July, and then we were in Seattle in September. So really quickly, we just wanted to make the leap over to the United States. Um, and once we did... Um, we started talking to a lot of customers in Seattle um, and in Washington State. Uh, and then once we got back to New Zealand, we met with NZTE and we told them about all our plans. We told them what the product was that we were exporting. And I think they saw the real opportunity for us to develop the storytelling app where we would showcase all of the New Zealand businesses and stories on the story app in, in San Francisco. <laughs> Um, so the timing of it was really it was really good. Everything then ramped up. Mm-hmm. What was the next four years like after that, and how did you manage the pace? It was a it was an absolute whirlwind, um, and because I was so young, I was still eighteen. So from eighteen to twenty years old, I was in in the United States, and I'd come back every couple of months back to New Zealand. Um, the pace of the pace was actually I don't even I look back at it sometimes and I don't I don't know how I did it. Um, I was working maybe a hundred hour weeks longer. I was working a lot. I was literally working from like six in the morning and finishing up at midnight every single day, every single day for two years straight. Um, I was sleeping under my desk so that when um, we had New York customers calling, we would be able to like you know talk to them and. Um, work with them to build prototypes and work with them to build platforms and, you know, develop onboarding strategies and all of these things. Um, And so for two years, I just basically went full steam ahead um, at 100 hours a week. And a lot of it was actually doing business, but then I'd go home and then I'd teach myself things. So like teach myself how to do HR in New Zealand and the United States, what the tax um, implications were for both countries, um, what, you know, expansion to Singapore looked like. How do you do a P&L report? How do you um, use zero? How do you – all these things. And then on the back of that, also teaching myself how to be a product manager, which was my role in the company for four years. Um, so – yeah, it was just a lot of like working nine to five and then t- um, self, just upskilling as well. So I was constantly learning. Yeah. Um, was it a hard decision to sell your business? Um, it was in the way that we did it. So, I mean, we, it was a sell out of necessity. Um, the company, we just raised a really big round of capital and um, unfortunately the way that it was managed just wasn't proper. Um, and so there were a lot of factors in that and business isn't linear. There's obviously a lot of things that happen. It's not just like black and white, but, um, it was more out of necessity. Um, but you know, it was in the end of the day, it was a, it was a sell and we, and we got a lot of, um, we got a lot of interest into what we were building. We spent almost $3.5 million building story 
and the company that bought it actually sold. They sold, um, so that's really exciting. So it was good that we could that we um, you know gave back to the New Zealand sort of economy and landscape and the technology landscape in that in that way. And then um, selling our ticketing solution to a United States investor um, and a United States company actually. So. Um, yeah, from 18 to 22 I did that and a lot of learnings along the way. Yeah, You had to give a lot of investment pitches. Where did it go well and where did it not? Um, so it's really so – no one really teaches you how to pitch for investment. Um, and even still to this day, I still like – we're, we're going for a really big round at the moment. We're just, we're just about to close it. But um, no one teaches you how to pitch. No one teaches you what investors want. Um, there is a guideline, obviously, but back then it was just so new. Like angel investment was just coming into New Zealand. Um, there was this really big thing around like, you know, crowdfunding had just come in. And so it was still really difficult. The landscape was shifting a lot at that time on investment. And it really, it's just about sort of making mistakes and doing it and refining, doing it, refining. Um, but yeah, no one teaches you how to do this stuff. So you just kind of have to roll with the punches sometimes yeah have you ever said no to an investor where do you think entrepreneurs should say no I should have said no more yeah yeah I should have said no more and um the biggest learning now is that I will never accept money just for the sake of money that the investors that we have on board have um our best interest and are open to um providing their network and their expertise um because the amount of due diligence that they do on us, we have to also do to them as well to make sure that they're the right fit for us. Um, but I only know that now. So nine years in, I can say that. But I should have said no to – we as a company should have said no to a lot more investors than we did. And then you started non-stop ticks. Yes. But then you sold the same year. Yes. Can you tell me about that story? Absolutely. So um, it was actually as I was transitioning out of story – um, I'd, I'd started another small company called Nonstop Tax, and it was basically because one of the large um, companies in New Zealand they got sold, um, they got bought out by another large, large multinational um, company. And overnight, we basically we had a lot of really good connections in the space. Um, a lot of promoters in New Zealand were looking for a new solution, and so we built something. But it was really basic. So I think we spent less than 40 hours developing it. It was just really, really basic. You bought a ticket. Yeah, you purchased a ticket and you got the ticket and that was it. Um, and then we developed it out to have dashboards and cool things like that and reporting. But it was just super, super vanilla. Like there was nothing um, crazy about it. Um, and it wasn't until we had the opportunity to sell it. So we could have gone either two ways. Like either I would have had to go and get investment that would have taken six months Um and then build it from scratch and make sure that it was a product that could kind of really withstand the test of time and, and the landscape of the industry. Um, or we had this opportunity to sell it. And for me, it was th that was the second ticketing platform that I built. And there was just so much more that I wanted to, to develop in a product that was from the ground up. But I didn't want to work in the landscape. I didn't want to work with promoters. I wanted to work with museums and theme parks and art galleries and the sort of high-volume ticketing space. Um, so that's, the, that's where the idea of Passfair was born. And, you know, we are a ticketing company, but we're more of an admissions. It's more analytics. Um, and the way that we've built it is global. Um, so, you know, it was really the right decision to sell at that time and, and move on. 
How long did it take after that to sell before you starting the latest starter up, Passphere? It was literally within two weeks. Yeah, we, I got investment. So I sold it, got investment for Passphere. I had a customer lined up already, um, got the investment, and then started working on the wireframes. What's the story of Passphere? Passphere is my baby. So Passphere is everything that I've ever wanted to do in, in this one in this one company. Um, Passphere are all of the features and scoping and wireframes and work that I've built and the knowledge base that I've built being in the ticketing space for such a long time now. It's coming on nine years. For us, it's to make a and create a new experience for um, admission ticketing for museums and large attractions. Um, and we're doing we're doing really well. I mean, we're in we're in Wellington and Auckland. We've got plans on expanding into Australia, Singapore, and the United States this year. Um, we're just closing our convertible note, so our bridging round at the moment a major round of funding. Um, we have around eighteen staff in both cities, um, and that's only going to grow. So no, things are going really well. Can you talk to me about the difficulties of the platform you are building? Yeah, there's a lot of edge cases. So ticketing is not easy. Um, ticketing is not easy, and um, the, one of the bi- like some of the biggest difficulties are actually what uh, our competitors um, are facing every single day, um, which is that they've built these huge systems. I ca- I kind of call them the Frankenstein systems because it's just been paced together and sort of bandaged over for years and years and years, over 15 years, um, and even longer. So some of our competitors have been around for 30, 50 years um, building these ginormous behemoth ticketing platforms. Um, and so it's, you know the biggest complexities is you need to build a global system where there could be you know, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 people all clicking refresh trying to buy Justin Bieber tickets as they come live. So you have to make it robust enough that this platform is not going to crash. Um, there's also a huge security around privacy and people's information. Um, of course, we encrypt everything, but, you know, we have to be super secure on that. Um, and because we do it for both the um, for both the organisation and the consumer, we have to account for both edge cases for both sets of customers. So the platform in itself is a behemoth already, um, and we've been in development for two years building that. Yeah. How has your approach to business changed over the years? Uh, I'm a lot more to the point. So if there's an issue, I get down and solve it really quickly. Whereas I guess when you're first starting, it's actually really hard. It's very intimidating. You don't know how to go about things. Um, but, yeah, for us it was just basically that, and for me basically now, is that if I see a vision and, you know, our boards agree to it and our team have agreed to it, you don't stray from that. Like you don't – that's the focus. And so we're super, super hy- – we're hyper-focused now. Um, whereas with my first company story – um, people would tell us all the time, like, stop going after the, like, the shiny thing. Stop going after it because um, you really need to focus. And I wish I would have done that sooner. Reflecting on your journey to date, what has surprised you the most? How how dishonest people are, <laughs> which is crazy because I think there's like a really innocent sort of naivety that you have with being a young person in technology. And I think what I didn't know back then when I started was that there's actually not a lot of young people in technology 
all there is and there's not a lot of young females in technology. So I think that's one of the big key things that surprised me going into it. Um, in a place that I thought was so equal, um, business is not equal. And so that was a really, really big sort of harsh reality that hit me really quickly was how manipulative, how dishonest people are. Um, and it can be the closest people to you as well. Um, so you kind of have to keep everybody at arm's length, but then still be genuine. And I think over the years, that's the capability that, that I've been able to develop is honesty, is, um, you know, reliability, is um, yeah, being trustworthy and all of these things and being, and most importantly, honest. So that first point is just being incredibly honest and what you know, what you believe and acting with integrity. Who inspires you? And there's a lot of people that inspire me, but um, absolutely my parents. So my mum and dad, you know, they came here um, with $5,000 in debt. Um, so we had no money when we came to New Zealand. And um, they worked so, so hard to give me and my brother an education and to give us an opportunity to actually go after what we want. And, you know, they're, I'd, I'd say that, and I, you know, I can say that they're really proud of where um, myself and my brother have got to now. Um, but... They absolutely inspired and motivated me because against all odds they were able to make it in this country. Um, and actually not even in this country but in a new country um, when theirs was so far away. Yeah. If you could go back in time, is there any advice would you give yourself? I would tell myself to be more confident. So when you, when you make a decision, that even if it's the wrong decision, to back it 100%. Um, I would tell my younger self that don't trust everybody who smiles at you um, and all in all to just always act with integrity um, and always act in everyone's best interests, including your own. That would be my three biggest keys, yeah. Final question. What is one question you wish entrepreneurs asked? I wish they would ask sooner. So I'll come back to that your question, but something that we do and actually a really good friend of mine said today is, and it just sort of really dawned on me, was that we always beat around the bush. So let's say um, we have a 30-minute meeting with somebody for 29 of those minutes and we want their business, so we want the, the contract. For 29 of those minutes, we'll talk about the weather and, the, and their dogs and their family and everything that – the biggest reason of why we're not there – um, and then we get to the 29th minute and then we've got a minute to say, hey, we've got this product, you know, I think you'd really, I, we, you'd really benefit from this. Would you think about buying it? Um, so, yeah, I would say to all entrepreneurs just to get to the point and go after what you want. Just get to the point. <laughs> get to the point. No beating around the bush. Yeah. It's been amazing chatting with you, Isa. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Eli. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave me a comment down below and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your network. As always, stay awesome and share the love.